The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, once again, everybody. My name is Tobias Woolborn. The name on the marquee is Beer It is shout out to Classic and Melanie for allowing me to do this show each and every week live on the CSPN Network. Also, thank you to our good sponsors, including those at Amazon.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcast free link. Buy the things you normally buy any other time, any other way on Amazon or Amazon Prime. But when you click on that link, we get some money. And when we get money, we put it back into the show. It does things like allow me to travel. My travels today have taken me to beautiful Tallahassee, Florida, as I am here on Railroad Square in, quite honestly, the cornerstone, and I'm not just saying it because I'm here, but I really mean that, of what is becoming an epic beer scene in North Florida that's anchored right here in Tallahassee, Florida. At Proof, they got the proof. I'm with my man, Byron Burroughs. Byron, how are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Man, oh, thanks for having me and letting me come into this fine facility, man. Always welcome. So, man, let's get right into this facility, man. You guys, you told me you're brewing 65 barrels of beer. Tell me what you're brewing it on. Tell me about the system. So uh, here in Railroad Square, we opened up in 2014. We have a 20-barrel brew house. Uh, we can max out around 6,500 barrels of beer, and uh, that's about where we are right now. We're pretty much maxed out in this footprint, in this facility. Almost uh, all of our beer is going out into the Tallahassee market and North Florida marketplace. And uh, we're in the process of expanding a little bit this fall. Hopefully get up to around 10,000 barrels, but uh, that as well will probably just stay and uh, keep us here in North Florida. Nice, man. Own the territory, rep the set. Got to go deep. Got to go deep. Yeah. And it's so interesting. You said the word deep, and of course that leads into one of the breweries deep. Yeah. As it's interesting. When you came along, you had the spot on Tennessee Street. What was the room capacity there when you were over oh, there? it was tiny. We had a little three-barrel Premier Stainless system down there. We could probably put out about 500 barrels of beer. And wow. most of it, it was all sold in-house. We were set up and licensed as a brewery, but we sold everything in-house. Nice. Just experimented and learned. And it was interesting because you guys had one of the first real bottle shops yeah. in this market. Tell us about that place, man. So we originally opened up uh, as Liquor Loft. Uh, Gosh, it's been uh, in 2007, so 10 years ago. Uh, we opened up as a craft beer focused retailer, and uh, we were the first in town to do that, have the focus that we had. We had upwards of a thousand different varieties of craft and import, and uh, everything kind of grew from that. The demand for craft grew. We opened up a pub, uh, originally called Proof, uh, a modern American pub, where we uh, continued developing craft beer and uh, gave Tallahassee a place to come and consume it in the right environment, out of the right glassware, at the right temperature. Mm -hmm. And then from that, we opened up the Brew Pub as a proof brewing company in the downstairs. And uh, within a year, we were on to this facility in 2014. And it was interesting because back then you had the dual facilities, then you decided to close down Tennessee Street. It was hectic. Yeah, because you guys were like back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. That was when I was, I had just moved up. I was working for the Tallahassee Democrat. Shout out to them, local mm-hmm. paper. And it was covering that scene and the closing. People were like, oh my God. I'm like, no, guys, it's a good thing. Yeah. They, didn't, they, didn't see what you, they didn't see what you were doing then. No, I, you know, I think that we always had a vision for what we saw for ourselves and, and for growth within the city and development of the craft beer market in town. It was one of those things where, you know, every, every town needs to have a good local craft brewery. Breweries are these fantastic uh, community spaces that people can come in all ages and, and, uh, and, and just hang out and, and be together and experience great fresh beer. You know, and that's, that's what we wanted to do. And then from there, getting it started, man. You were the first. And by the way, you have a, you're from Atlanta, man. At least you grew up in Atlanta. You worked in Atlanta. Yeah, I worked up in teeth. Atlanta for about 10 years. Yeah, yeah, cut your teeth in that scene. 
Why Tallahassee? Uh, we were originally brought down here. I was doing some hospitality consulting, and uh, we were originally brought to town to to do a restaurant and bar concept that uh, that never actually materialized. So we basically took our knowledge and our resources and went down the craft beer path in town. We saw that that was uh, something that was uh, uh, non-existent really in town, and we felt that the market needed it. And uh, if we were going to stay here, it was something that we wanted to see happen. And it's interesting, man, because we, we talk about that. But then when you got into craft beer, yeah. late '90s, right? Late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. when you were really... Originally, my first introduction to craft, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there wasn't a YouTube back then. So, no. it wasn't all the, like, now, you know, if you want to learn how to brew, you, you know, you go on YouTube and you go watch these videos or, you know, the trading game now is mm-hmm. so prevalent of people being able to get beer. But back then, like, when you came in, you drank what was there. How'd you get into craft beer? For me, the transition was, uh, you know, Atlanta had a, had a handful of places that were pretty good. Brickstore mm-hmm. Pub, I remember when they first opened up, that yeah. was one of my first eye-opening experiences with uh, just access to all kinds of beer. Uh, but really what got me into American craft beer was going to fish shows because you would go there and you'd have this meeting place of all of these people from, from various uh, states around the, mm. around the U.S., and they'd bring their local beers with them, and everybody would swap and trade and drink stuff. And I really got exposed to a lot of beer from out west, and that was eye-opening to me. Wow. So what are some of those beers you were drinking from out west? You know, back then, I, I think some of the more popular stuff was, uh, uh, like, some of the Boulder Hazen Infused. Mm. Um, uh, pretty much anything from Colorado, a lot of the San Diego IPAs. First right. time I, I was uh, introduced to Ale Smith and Stone, and, nice. and it was just it was just kind of nuts, you know, that you could squeeze that much flavor into a bottle. Yeah, and that's crazy. So you go from there to deciding to open your own brewery. Yeah. Why? It needed to be done, you know. I, I, I love craft. It's, it's something that uh, we believe in. It's something that, you know, we've always consumed and supported. And, uh, and we felt that we started and grew the market in Tallahassee. And the next logical, you know, uh, decision and place to go within that was to, to go into brewing. At that time, the Florida brewing industry was really new. Uh, mm-hmm. So our city had just come online. There oh, was wow. only a handful of breweries across the state. And we saw that and we were like, you know, that's what we want to do. We want to help grow this, this really needed and desired industry within the state. Yeah, I mean, and but you weren't necessarily a brewery. So or, or were you home brewing? Dabbled a little bit. A little yeah. bit? Yeah. It's, I was much more of a, uh, I, I don't want to use the word connoisseur, but I really appreciated the love's craft here. And it's interesting because I always find there's two types of brewery founders. There's ones who brew beer, they're like, okay, I think I can make some money brewing this beer. Mm-hmm. And then there's ones who are like, I know what I like to drink, yeah. and I want to pay somebody to make it. So it seems like you're in the latter. Yeah, we always knew the styles that we wanted and what we felt would work and what was going to be good. But the big thing for us was I know what my background is. My background's in hospitality and business. So I was going to focus on doing what I knew how to do best and what my wife knew how to do best when we founded the company. And we were going to find people that, that could brew better than we could because that's the only way that we were going to actually be able to do, you know, what we wanted to do with it and make a difference. Right. And then you, your first head brewer was Larry. Yeah. Correct. Tell us a little bit about him. How did you kind of come into, his, come into contact with him? Uh, Larry's a great guy. He was actually one of our regulars that came in, a really well-respected local home brewer. And uh, we tested Larry a lot. We would uh, ask him to exactly replicate a recipe or replicate a style. Mm. Like, hey, you know, this week make this. And then we'd bring it in and sample everybody on it. And he always nailed them spot on, did a great job. And uh, we enjoyed working together for quite some time. Wow. And then from there, you now have these two young guys back there, man. Grinders. It's, it's really the future in the face of this business. I feel like we've almost started over in the last year uh, with uh, Aaron Brown and David Kant. They've done and brought to the team and, and to the brand, you know, such an energy 
and such an amazing uh, just understanding of where we want to go and what we need to do. So I remember when I was first covering you guys, I think Aaron, if I'm correct, he was already working here. Aaron was our lead brewer at the time. Right. Yeah. And even before that, I remember him like working the bar at the town, yeah, yeah. at the Tennessee Street Pretty much spot, everybody man. that's here today <laughs> has done everything in this business at some point. Wow, man. And, and what does that do when you have people who, you know, you look at some breweries where you see guys who start at the parking lot attendance. Yeah. Or taking IDs, and then you look up five years, they become seller men or yeah. seller women, excuse me, depending yeah. on how you look at that. And then now they're assistant brewers and lead brewers. What does that yeah. say for this industry? It says that, you know, you get a lot of that uh, familial aspect. People get really invested in, uh, in, in, in the job, and it becomes a family of people that are all striving to work together to achieve the same goal, ideally. Wow. And then speaking of the same goal, you can find your goals in more each and every week here on Veer It Is on the CSPN Network. My name is Tobias Wilborn, and today the name of the marquee is Proof Brewing down in Tallahassee on Railroad Squares. So I'm here with my man, Byron Burroughs. Real quick, tell people where they can find you on the Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all those good, fine social media places. I am not the social media, media genius uh, that... Uh some of the other guys are, but you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, website's www.proofbrewingco.com. We've got all the links there to uh, Instagram and all the other fun social media pages. Nice, nice. They have their Facebook page, Proof Brewing Company, on Instagram, and it's Proof Brewing Co. On Twitter, it's also Proof Brewing Co. Yes, sir. So check them out there. And they tweet a lot. They're very actively engaged. If you tweet them about a beer, they'll tweet you back. They'll talk to you. They'll do pictures of things. And speaking of pictures, one of the pictures I saw, well, several pictures, but one thing we're going to get into real quick, the beer you had, you just put out, I, I, I had it, I got a little snivel of it, and it was amazing. Which one was this? Oh, it was this amazing porter you had, the Grandma's Cookies. Oh, man. the Grandma's Goodies. Grandma's yeah. Goodies. Yeah, that was, we did real well with Hunapu Day uh, with that beer. Yeah, third place. That's, yeah, that's a, a bourbon barrel-aged Baltic porter that's been treated to taste like uh, oatmeal raisin cookies. How the hell did you get it there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that to the genius of our brewers and uh, of uh, Nick DeJola, who's our head of treatments. And um, uh, Alan had a big hand in that beer as well, especially coming up with the general concept. And that's Alan Truesdale, yeah, Alan's a lot of the marketing sales. stuff. Yeah, director of sales. Really good dude. Bearded beauty over there. Bearded beauty. Yeah, as he's over there, you know, planning out plots. They got some things coming up. They're going to be at a couple really big festivals. Can you share a couple of those things that are coming? Uh, the, the biggest one that I would like to talk about is the one that we're doing here in Tallahassee. It's our annual Florida Tap Invitational, where we invite you know, 40, 40 to 50 of the best breweries across the state, and they only bring rare, unique, or tasting room-only beer. Uh, it's uh, limited capacity. It's fantastic. We did about 1,000 people last year. We'll cap it at about 1,000 people this year. Nice. We're going to be releasing our new uh, 13% Imperial Stout. Uh, which is called Royal Bloodline. If you get a VIP ticket, you get one of those bottles for free. Nice. And uh, we're starting to see some of the beer lists rolling in right now, and it's just absolutely amazing. And Beyond that, we're going to Cambitational up in uh, Indiana, the Sun King. Cambitational will also be at uh, Miami Grove Toberfest. Ooh, now that's a fun one. Yeah. Real quick with the Florida Invitational, by the way, that is, guys, I've been to that fest two years. It is one of the really cool ones. Because, again, I mean, you get the brewery here doing some crazy stuff. Their chat list is going to be already crazy. Yeah. Plus, you're going to get... Cigar City, a lot of these other and oh, breweries. It's, it's a who's who of uh, Florida breweries. Right. It's fantastic. It's the life. big boys and also little guys you hadn't heard of that are yeah. going to be on that list. That's the general the general intention of this uh, festival. It originally started at our Tennessee Street location as a way to get exposure to all the Florida breweries in a market that they may never get to or that uh, it may might take a while to actually get their beer. Mm-hmm. So we would we would start tapping up all these beers and we put on you know fifty to seventy 
beers from around the state that were hard to get. And then it's now grown into a festival where the brewers and the owners come. They bring nothing but rare and crazy beer. And uh, it's just a great uh, expression of all the, the amazing beer that's being made in the state right now. And, guys, I can tell you as a person who has been to this festival, been to other festivals, it's one of my favorites because it's one that the brewers go to. Yeah. The ones where the brewers, unlike some states, the brewers can pour yeah. and they can't actually engage with you. So oh, yeah. you'll meet these people who are making these beers. And I think that's what makes Beer Festival special. Yeah, I think that's what you need in the beer festival. There's so many out there that uh, now there needs to be some level of differentiation right. in, in, the, in the individual festivals. Too many festivals where guys are just getting hammered. But coming on the back end, we're going to take a quick pause for the cause. I think you heard me have a little bit of a sip there. I'm going to talk about what I sipped on and why, because it is fantastic. Byron, we're going to come back, talk about that beer, talk a little bit more about your story, the story that's brewing and where things are going. Guys, stick and stay. Here it is. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is your man Jeremy from the Crown and Collars podcast. Just reminding you that you are listening to a CSPN media presentation. And to check out Crown and Collars every Wednesday so we can tell you what your aunt does when you're not around. This is Tim Dog from the Comic Chronicles. Make sure to join myself, Agent 70, Dirt, and Roddy Cat live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, as we discuss the latest breaking comic book news and also review the new comic books each week, along with discussing TV shows, movies, and much more. And make sure to go to our website, theclicknation.com. You can listen to the Comic Book Chronicles every Friday by subscribing to the Cold Slither Podcast Network. All right, guys, welcome back to Beer It Is on the CSPN Network. My name is Nebias Wilborn, and again, thank you guys for supporting us each and every week. Thank you guys for doing the things you need to do to keep this podcast free by clicking on those links, subscribing to the show. Again, whenever you click on those links, support our sponsors. We make the money. When we make the money, we put it back into the show. Putting it back to the show means I get to go to fun places like Tallahassee, Florida, and I get to hang out in Proof Brewing with my man, Byron Burroughs. We're back in the house, and let's get right into this fun beer I'm drinking. It's a Berliner. Long name. I'm going to let you tell people what this is. I just want to enjoy it, and I don't want you to talk about it. So the base of this beer is a beer that we do called Evil Kiss. It's a Berliner Weiss. It falls somewhere between 4 4.5% ABV. It's a kettle sour beer uh, that uh, we do a wide variety of treatments on. Uh, this is ha- this is a uh, pomegranate passion fruit version oh, of this beer. Man, it almost makes it taste like a fruit punch or a tropical drink. Man, I, I guess I, I feel like, a, like I'm drinking like a rum punch or something. Like, I feel like I need to be on a beach, toes in the sand. You know, just kind of sitting back, taking it in, yeah. getting the sun in my. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what this feels like. But I mean, that's Florida, though, right? That's Florida. I think that's the the thing that you're seeing in Florida right now. It's you know been dubbed Florida Vice. But uh, just this this wide approach to using native and indigenous fruits, tropical fruits and citrus, in uh, this style of beer, these kettle sour beers. And you're seeing it across the state. Guys are making some really crazy fun beers that you don't even know that it's beer in some aspects. Um, but this beer has a nice light amount of tartness And, like, to it. the color on it, too, yeah. man. Like, I, I hold it up to this light. By the way, this place has some beautiful lighting in here, guys. This real fun facility. 
as you sit here, you can see the whole brewing process. I came by a little bit late last night. Um, shout out to you guys, by the way. They did a cool bottle share here. Bought some Georgia beer in. Nice. Had the um, Tallahassee Beer Society. So I just brought them a bunch of Georgia beer they couldn't get. And they were really cool. Still bought a bunch of your stuff because, well, you guys are awesome. <laughs> but the point is, is you can sit here. You can see all these beautiful things, both inside and outside. Anyway, that being said, this beer just... It takes me to a good place, man. I'm glad you like that. Um, you've got such a great palate for beer. I know you've appreciated some of the stouts that we've done and uh, some of the hoppier things that we're known for, but uh, we're, we're doing a lot of this particular style of beer. It's extremely popular mm-hmm. uh, here in Tallahassee and here in Florida, yeah. and um, that's great. I'm glad you love it. So I was at a raise, but um, and also, too, let's talk about that, because you are brewing this beer right now in the same facility. Where are you doing your IPAs and all those things, right? Yeah, well, we're not messing around with some of the some of the yeast that could actually be a little more problematic, like Brett. This being a kettle soured beer, it's a kettle soured. It's we mash it in, we then inoculate, and uh, we hold it at temperature. We basically sour the beer in the kettle, but it's a completely sealed environment. Nice. Once we've achieved our particular pH that we're looking for per beer style, we then boil it off, and then once you get to a particular temperature of boil, it kills off this yeast strain, which is lactobacillus, and then we'll finish it with a different yeast. Nice. And that, so, so you don't you don't get the contagion aspect. That's the, that's an interesting thing because, as you said, sours and Berliners and dozas are becoming more popular. Yeah. Things you have to do could potentially cause contamination. So it's a question I always love to ask. Oh, yeah. We would love to be doing more Brett beers. We just have two confined to space. You've seen it. We're pretty much back right. to the rafters right now. And uh, it's just not it's not safe enough for us to do in this in this facility. Right. And speaking of the facility, let's get into a little thing here, man. Yeah, I, man. I, I, what do you guys do for your water? So for our water, we use uh, reverse osmosis filtration. Yeah. Uh, city water, most everybody's using city water in some aspect. We don't have the benefit of sitting on top of some giant ancient aquifer. Uh, right. And we're not in the mountains. So... Uh, we felt that city water fluctuates a little bit too much. It's inconsistent. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things in there that you really want to filter out. So we uh, do. We have a pretty large uh, reverse osmosis system. We strip everything out, and then we rebuild each beer style per spec. Uh, we put the dissolved solids back into it. And the benefit of doing that is I think it gives us a cleaner baseline that we can start with. It's even every time we brew. Uh, but it also allows us to mimic water profiles from around the world. Nice. So and, that, fun. and that matters, man, when you're able to do these things where... You take that back, back down to a zero balance. Another thing you guys do as well, from what I saw when I was here before, you guys would make each beer mm-hmm. towards each water treatment towards the style of beer you're trying to do. Explain how that works. Uh, probably best to have Aaron explain how he does it. He's the master of water profiling and nice. how we actually do those aspects. But, yeah, depending on the beer style, um, each beer is going to have a different water profile. IPA is going to be softer. And you know, pilsners are going to be a little bit softer. There's going to be there's going to be some variations of how you, you you change each particular beer style. And that's that's a fun thing because again, when you're putting these beers into these bombers, mm-hmm. and then you know some of them are fifteen, some of them are twenty bucks depending on yeah. you know what they are. Those are the kind of things that matter when you talk about the craft style. In this business, I think that's the thing. You know, when you when you start a brewery and you go down this path and you want to be a successful brewery, you want to make sure that everything that you're doing is the absolute best expression of, of, of that beer. Um, you want to make sure that everything is consistent, it's repeatable, you want to make sure you got your lab work tight, and that your, your quality control, your QAQC is in line, because there's a lot of beer out there right now, and if you want to stand out and you want to matter, you got to make sure that everything's perfect every single time. i tell you another place that stands out, here on Beard is on the CSPN Network. My name is Tobias Fullborn. Today we're at Proof Brewing in Tallahassee, Florida, literally right here on the Railroad Square. By the way, if you guys have never been down here, 
It is a really cool. Or it's been a while since you've been down here. Come back. It, it comes right through FAMU, Florida A&M's campus, beautiful bike trails, all kinds of cool restaurants. What's it been like seeing this area develop, man? It's been amazing. Uh, you know, I feel like we've been a, a catalyst for the park in a lot of ways. Uh, the city has done a lot of development around us after we've moved in. So we've seen a lot of beautification go around the area. Uh, Railroad Square has been a, a fantastic area to have the brewery in because we feel like what we're doing is art. And this is the Arts District destination. It's all artist work lofts and warehouses. And um, it's central to town. Everybody knows where it is. We have a great, fantastic first Friday. It just gets packed out here, and it's, it's been great to see it grow. Nice, man. And for you guys, what does growth look like? What are some beers that are coming next? What does that entail? Uh, our big thing right now is we have two beers in cans, the 850 Pale Ale and the Mango Wit. Uh, our next step is to get our IPA, the La La Land, in cans, and then start doing some limited special release cans of our Sours, our Tropical Uprising, which is the New England IPA mm. that uh, Aaron just hit out of the park, and uh, a few others. So what's on the horizon for us right now is a little bit of tank expansion, and uh, focusing on specialty releases going into the fall and next year. Nice, nice. And then let's get into a little bit more of your story, man. <laughs> get this brewery started. Yeah. How tough was it when you first were like, okay, wifey, we're going to do this thing. Mm-hmm. How, how did that go, and how did you kind of build from there? I feel like we've just been a fantastic team, and uh, pulling these things off, we've got a great team of people behind us. You know, this is nothing that I could have pulled off by myself or that Angie – and I could have done on our own. We've always had a great team of people to help us along. Uh, definitely took a lot of work, definitely a lot of, a lot of lost sleep and a lot of stress going into it, but I feel like it flowed pretty fast. We built out in about six months. Uh, we got operational and out in distribution you know, in about another eight months, and it's, it's flowed really well. And I hope that you know, any expansion uh, and lessons that we've learned <laughs> will, will actually make it a little bit easier down the road. What is the toughest lesson you've learned doing this? Uh, I think the toughest lesson in doing this business as a brewery nowadays is you not only have to think bigger, it's really hard to think about how big you want to be and make sure that everything that you have in-house is in place and scaled up to handle fast growth. We've grown very fast. You always hear that you're going to grow fast so that you have that potential to grow fast. So you're always kind of playing catch-up if you've gone too small or you don't have enough space Mm. or you don't have enough things in line to grow fast enough. So I think that's the biggest thing for us as we expand is to make sure we think even bigger than we did before and have everything already prepped a little bit uh, to receive that growth. You remember the first time you saw your beer on a tap handle that wasn't your own place? Oh, yeah. Where was it? Tell me about it. Uh, Madison Social was uh, nice yeah, down the road. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, the first time, first time I actually saw our beer in an event was at Liam's in Thomasville. We did a cask event uh, with yeah. them, and Liam's has been fantastic supporters. But, Shout out to know, Liam's, good place, yeah. man. Yeah. But uh, actually seeing our beer out on tap, having you know one of your beers it almost tasted tasted like heaven. <laughs> it was the greatest <laughs> thing ever, you know. Paying for your own beer, huh? Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, definitely. And then just remember it, and then did you see other people ordering it? What's it like even now as you? Say you go to Edison, you go to some of these other fine restaurants in town where you guys are on and you see people it's order. It's always exciting when you see people order it and you see people order more than one. You know, I think the, the hardest thing in the beginning of this is you're like, is everybody going to like it? Is everybody going to buy it? Or are they going to buy it again? And then to see once you get that level of consistency and repeatability of purchase and customer support behind it, you know, that's the greatest feeling in the world. That means you're actually doing something that matters and people, people appreciate it. Nice. And, it's, and speaking of feedback, okay. you guys are active on guys are active on the Twitter. I mean, like, seriously, I, whenever I tweet you guys, you guys tweet back, you guys tweet yeah. other people. Sometimes you get negative feedback. Yeah. How do you deal with that? 
try to be as positive. I actually find that there's certain things that I don't read. You know, I used to read a lot of Untapped and, and Rape Beer and Beer Advocate and try and stay on top of it. But everybody's entitled to their opinions, so I, I very infrequently read any kind of review about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got some guys that handle social media. and uh, <laughs> Let them they, handle it. <laughs> they, they tend to uh, respond to people in a very nice and professional way if we ever have an issue. But, I mean, yeah, if, you, if you've got negative feedback, you know, try and address it. Try and, try and get in touch with somebody and, and try and resolve that situation. But ideally, I think we've been pretty fortunate that we haven't had much negative feedback at all on any of the beer. And right. uh, we seem to have a lot of support review-wise. What's been the most ridiculous thing that you've got? on untap the rape beer that somebody said god i couldn't even tell you i couldn't i couldn't even tell you you know probably you know you get a lot of stuff i think that untapped is great because it really opened up mm. the ability to rate beer and it's right. opening up and engaging a lot of people on a platform that uh that might not normally be drinking and rating beer, mm-hmm. but the, the downside of that is you're getting a lot of people that don't know a lot about beer. Well. <laughs> and then you'll have right. people that are like, oh, I absolutely hate this IPA, but I don't like IPAs. So Why'd you order it? <laughs> so why'd you rate it? You know? right. so, you, but I think invariably you're going you're gonna to have that. I think that there's, it's fantastic that more and more people are getting engaged with craft beer, and I think that that's a fantastic platform to do it with. And speaking of platforms, when we come back off this next pause, Byron has another hat that he once wore. I'm not sure he's still wearing that hat. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Yeah. Oh, i got to figure out what this hat is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but when we come back, we'll talk about that hat, sure. Byron Moore, how that hat has not only helped proof, but uh-huh. other breweries in the state of Florida. Guys, stick and stay. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is Classic of the CSPN. Do you like the podcast that you're hearing so far? Well, you can help us out. Keep our podcast free for you by shopping at Amazon. Visit our website, cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, you can shop for music, books, Blu-rays, DVDs, toys, jewelry, apparel, and much more. All with the discounts, quality, and shipping reputation that Amazon has to offer, and all through the CSPN. So, help us out. Go to CSPN.us, click on the Keep Our Podcast free link, and shop at Amazon through us. Do it today. Boys and girls, we are back for segment three here on Beer It Is on the CSPN Network. Shout out to Classic and Melanie for allowing me to do this each and every week. Also, shout out to our fine sponsor, including Amazon.com. Back here in Tallahassee, back at Proof Brewing with man Byron Burroughs. We talked about the other hat that he wore. And we're also in a very legislative city, as it is the state capital. Yes, it is. And he got involved in some interesting lists, are still involved in it, yeah. as he is vice president of the Florida Guild. Yeah, so I'm a vice president of the Florida Brewers Guild last three years. I'm going into my fourth year. Uh, the Guild has been extremely active legislatively. Uh, we've needed to be uh, two years ago, uh, fending off attacks from, from Big Beer and from uh, some uh, distributor groups that were trying to take tasting rooms away from the Florida Brewers. And that, you know, as you see in Atlanta mm-hmm. with the new law being passed, the tasting room is an exceptional economic driver in growth and has been in the growth of the state. We were able to uh, uh, legislatively fend that off and, and actually get – 
our ability to have a tasting room put into law and pretty much protected our whole industry. Now, how many breweries are active in the state of Florida as of now? I, you know, I've seen varying numbers between 226 and 241 in planning, Ooh, but we're getting up there. That's a lot. Yeah, I think we've got the highest growth rate uh, in, in the U.S. That's a lot. And a lot of that has to do with the ability to have a tasting room size of markets and, yeah. and, and just general growth. Right, and I remember like you guys were able to start, you guys had a lot of guest taps at first, and then mm-hmm. as you started brewing more beer, the guest taps slowly, slowly dwindled. I think now you only have like two beers that yeah. are guest taps right now. Yeah, we only have two. We always have a cider guest tap. We usually yeah. run about two guest taps, and we'll rotate through them. Most of the time, we just have cider as a guest tap. Makes sense. Yeah, something, because that's not something you guys do as of yet. No, not yet. <laughs> uh, not yet. That might be on the horizon. We've been yeah. talking about doing it. Uh, can't really do it in this facility. We just don't have the room. But right. uh, I would love to get into cider. I think it's uh, I think it's fantastic and untapped in Florida. Really is because I mean I know Cigar City does a couple, but mm-hmm. other than that, it's not really. Anybody. And I think this would be a great cider market because again, it's so damn hot. Oh yeah, it'd be a fantastic <laughs> cider market. Yeah. So hot. But um, how is that working with two hundred some odd different brewers and owners? Because beer people are kind of weird, man. How, how is it like getting them all to kind of focus and streamline? You know, I think I think at the end of the day. Everybody wants the same thing. You're mm-hmm. going to have you're going to have some outliers out there, but everybody basically wants to have the ability to operate their business, uh, not be hassled by distributors or by big beer, and uh, be and, and not have to worry about uh, their protections or rights being taken away from them on a larger legislative level. Um, the guild has been fantastic at bringing the brewers together, and everybody's been really fantastic with some of the resources like the new guild Facebook page and uh, and, and emails about uh, communication. You know, we'll we'll have uh, focus groups and. And do some other things that will basically uh, allow us to reach out to more and more of our member breweries so that we can get input without people feeling that they all have to individually go to the state. Because the mm-hmm. big issue with going to the state on the legislative level is you got to be a unified front going in, and therefore the board takes the responsibility for doing all of that. And then what are those meetings like, those legislative meetings? Oh, they're awesome. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on what's going on. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's very important to get done the things that – we have gotten done and that we're working on for the future. Um, and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of resources and it takes a lot of energy. But at the end of the day, it's all very worthwhile. And then also there, we mentioned Georgia, but it has to be pretty cool. You being somebody who has a background of working in the industry there, yeah. seeing September 1st, you're going to be able to finally buy a pint. Oh, it's crazy. Georgia Brewery. Yeah, it's crazy. Not have to walk in and get a half pint or get tickets or right. take a tour. You can actually come into your favorite brewery and hang out and just have a beer. And I think you're going to see... Uh, the Atlanta market and even the rural markets in Georgia explode. It's going to go nuts. I think the same thing will happen in Georgia that's happened in Florida. Wow. And then from there, where do you see the state of Florida going in the next four to five years, man? It's only going up. I think if you look at Florida statistically, we have the highest number of brewery openings in uh, the U.S. We've got one of the largest overall numbers of breweries in the U.S., but we're, we're uh, way down on the list per capita for breweries because our markets are like 43rd per capita, right. which means that there's nothing but room to grow. I think we, the state could definitely sustain some more breweries, or at least the existing breweries stayed the same. Uh, we've got a lot more market share to take away from the big guys. Nice. And that's, and that's kind of what it is, is finding your way to take away from the big guys. Yeah, I think it's going to become more hyper, hyper-local and, and regional. I think that's really the focus because everybody's got a local brewery now. But I think the important thing is that everybody focuses on being the best that they can in their local footprint and then branching out from there. Now, i got to ask you, if you're comfortable getting into this, you just saw a local, well, not local, but a state brewery, Yeah. you know, now go with Constellation. Yeah, Funky Buddha, those guys are awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like in a way you're happy for them, but then how do you kind of like deal with that as far as, I guess, with them still being active in the guild? How does that work? And then 
if they can, if you can even get into that? It's you know, it's just happened. There haven't been any discussions about it from a guild level. I don't, I don't think that it uh, is really going to affect anything. Um, you know, we're uh, we're good friends with Ryan and Casey. Those guys are great, and right. they've they've worked real hard to get where they are, and they yeah. deserve you know everything that they've they've uh, gotten out of that. I think that what it's going to do is uh, enable them to grow into a much larger brand and have much longer. Uh, you know, a much better longevity down the road. I mean, and you know, it's a tough part of the business. You hate, you hate to see it, but it's yeah. also a business. Yeah, it's a business. <laughs> get, yeah. get your money because yeah. those are life changing deals. Those way, are. It's true, and the, the way the market's changing right now, it's like it. It's taken a lot to get to that point that you can actually be supported as a bigger brewery for the long haul. Yeah. You know, and it's it, you, that's why I think you're seeing so much involvement with private equity. You're seeing so much involvement with uh, big beer acquiring, you know, mid-sized breweries and small breweries. And uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, next, I think, five years to mm-hmm. see what happens in the market. I think private equity is going to be, we, we talked about Scuffar earlier mm-hmm. off the show. And it's like, you know, they have a lot of, their beer is so good because they have a lot of money invested into mm-hmm. it. I mean, not too many breweries start off with a water treatment facility with chemists and all these different things. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, it takes money. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing about this business. I think what, what you're seeing is two things happening now. You're, you're probably going to see, as we were talking about, Less and less of those national brands, right. or less and less, you know, multi-state, regional brands. It's going to become much more regionalized and much more local. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the good things for the industry is that hopefully more and more people that are opening up aren't just going to be opening up as home brewers, figuring it out as they go along. Yeah. They're going to realize that this is a business where we're making a product that needs to be respected to grow the overall state market and your local market. Mm-hmm. And you've got to put the money into it and the time into it and have these things in place to make great beer. Yeah, because if you ain't on your game Somebody now. Somebody else is making better beer. Right. Like I'm looking at certain breweries that are that are big and I'm looking at the beers they started with. I don't know if you could start with those beers yeah. in 2017 yeah. and get to those levels. No, everything's changing. You know, the market seems to be shifting year to year. You know, the, the styles of distribution, styles of beer, like everything is constantly morphing. And I think that's the beauty of the market, too, is that keeps it interesting and, and keeps it fresh. And I think that engages the consumer as well. And speaking of starting, one of the beers I'm having real quick before we get you out of here, I'm going to try to bring in one of your head brewers to yeah. talk to them for a minute just sure. about brew styles, things real quick to finish up. But sipping on this mango wit, but not only is it a mango wit, it's nitro, man. This thing is smooth. I mean, the head is nice and thick. Yeah. It's a beautiful beer, man. It's one of our core beers, the uh, the mango wit. Uh, it's a Belgian-style wit beer that we make with whole mangoes, and uh, this one's been nitrogenated, increases that mouthfeel, like you mm-hmm. said, that head retention and that creaminess. Yeah, this is Florida, man. Florida in a glass right yep, here, bro. Again, yet another Florida beer, great Florida beer. Nice. So you guys are currently all over North Florida. Where else are you, and where can people find your beer to actually go out and get it? Uh, you know, we have little bits of beer down south uh, from, say, uh, uh, Jupiter down to uh, Miami, a little bit in the Keys periodically, mm-hmm. and then a little bit in Tampa. But primarily our core market is in North Florida. Right. So you're in Tallahassee. You're in Wakulla. You're in Panama City Beach. You're in Jacksonville. Yeah, come see You're us. in those places. Go look at and get the proof. And they're in these beautiful-ass cans. I mean, there's these <laughs> eye-catching cans. Tell me about those cans real quick, man. Yeah, we just we wanted something that billboarded really nice on the shelf, had a nice like alloy metallic type finish, but was very linear in design and stood out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we achieved that. Yeah, I mean, because like even I'm looking at as I'm looking at your refrigerator, like that orange mango wick can with the black background, and it looks shinier yeah. than a lot of cans. It just it, it, it sticks out to the eye, man. That's been the big goal. I think the goal is to make them really pop on the shelf and have that nice metallic kind of uh, modern feel to it. Well, guys, listen. Byron, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. Man, I really enjoy it. Really enjoy the space. You guys have definitely come a long way 
Jeez, in a couple quick years, man. It's grown fast. Yeah, we've grown real fast since 2014. So hope it hope it keeps going the way that it's going. Guys, like I said, Proof Brewing, find them. We'll go on Twitter. It is Proof Brewing Co. Go on Facebook. It is Proof Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. It's proofbrewing.com mm-hmm. as their website. Check these guys out. Support their brew. If you're ever in Tallahassee for a football game or just anything that brings you to this town, so drink your local beer, support your local brewer. Always support your locals. Right. And holler at the homie Byron. He'll take care of you. <laughs> Guys, we're going to come back on the backside. We're going to get one of the brewers to come in and kind of finish up for segment four. And then when we come back, we're going to talk to him about what this place is doing, how he got started, and what's next. Cool. All right, Byron. Thanks, man. Thank you. We're back for segment four of Beer It Is as we get to wrap this fun thing up. Byron Burroughs was awesome as always, but I wanted to get one of the guys who gets the hands dirty. I mean, Byron's a good dude, but you know, he's, he's doing the corporate thing. He's, he's, he's crunching the numbers, you know, signing the paychecks, doing all that stuff. I wanted to get to a guy who gets his hands dirty and gets grimy with it in there, graining out and mashing on this beautiful 20 barrel system. My man, Aaron Brown. What's up, brother? How's it going? Man, fantastic, man. How are you? Doing good, doing good. I, I know I caught you in the middle of a brew day. Yeah. Uh, sorry to take you away, but I just really want to wrap with you about this beer, man. Tell me how a brew day goes here at Proof. Well, basically, it depends on, you know, how big the batch we're doing. But, you know, I have to start at 5 a.m. on some of them. We're doing uh, triple batches, going into a six-barrel batch. Uh, you know, we get lucky on a 20-barrel, we could come in maybe 8 o'clock or something like that. Ooh, maybe 8 o'clock, yeah, correct? Yeah, maybe. That's, that's, that's a good day. So um, that helps out you know, a lot. But uh, most of the days, it's, it's probably 7, 7, 6, 5 o'clock in the morning. So. Nice. Now, earlier I asked Byron about the Grandma's Goodies. Mm-hmm. God damn, that's a beautiful beer, man. I mean, seriously, man, it looks good. It's clean. smells good. Thank you, by the way, for pouring that up for me last night. Course, I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. The, the nose on it's there. How the hell did you get that beer so good, man? Can't talk about it too much, but you know, <laughs> got a few ingredients in there, you know. Can't give me too many trade yeah. secrets. Well, we already get... talked about raisins. That was in there, yeah. so that, that helped a lot. You know, well, tell the people. You got to tell cinnamon, the people. Yeah. You know, cinnamon, and then we added, uh, you know, the, the other bits to, to make it taste like a cookie. That was, uh, you know, we're going to keep that under wraps. But well, Fair know, enough, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, we got raisins and cinnamon in, in there, though. That helps accentuate. Actual the raisins, man. Explain yes, to me yeah. how you get these raisins and what you do with them if you get here. It, it, it depends on what it, what we're doing, but, you know, and, and that one particularly. It's just uh, cold side, you know, and we uh, we actually had to go through pasteurization and some of the stuff to make sure the sugars don't referment. But um, the the you sometimes have to spin it and, and actually move the beer around the actual product to get it infused better in there, um, or rouse it up with CO two and some other you know things like that. But you know, this one was a non non fermentation side beer. So. And summary, a lot of damn work yeah. <laughs> to get that beer yeah. where it is, man. So right now, as I look at this tap list, man, I'm looking at what about 20 taps of your own stuff. Mm-hmm. How does that feel? It feels great. Yeah, I mean, we've come a long way trying to get this going, and the, the, the small system definitely helps. And you know, we do a lot of fun stuff on that. That's where we get to do, you know play around a little bit. So that's the fun stuff. You know. Were you here? You may not have been working here, but you guys did this white chocolate beer mm-hmm. from George Clinton. He had an um, event here, book signing. Uh, do you remember that beer? Oh yeah, cinnamon white chocolate creatures in the dark. Probably. Oh yeah, yeah. tell me about that one, man. That yeah, was beautiful. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah definitely. Uh, 
put a few other things in there. Had some coconut in there as well that helped out the sweetness. And then uh, white chocolate, you know, you get a little bit of that flavor, kind of like going into a, you know, macadamia and white chocolate cookie. But you know, without the macadamia nuts, that was that was kind of what we're going for. And then uh, of course cinnamon, you just get, you're, you're great with that. So nice. And you mentioned creature of the dark. That's one of your, I guess, standard stouts, right? <laughs> and then from there you do. A lot of ad, not adjust, but a lot of treatments on that beer. Yeah, yeah. Explain to me, like, what makes that beer so flexible to do all those things? It's it's less roasty and less bitter than uh, the traditional sweet style, style. Yeah, style. yeah mm-hmm. it is sweet stout, and uh, it does have uh, lactose sugar and the milk sugar that, that helps with that. And you know, oats and other things makes it a lot creamier than your traditional one. So it's very flexible in that in that regard. Nice. You do a lot of different things with it. So. Yeah, cause I've seen you guys go barrel aged on that one. I've seen you guys like think yesterday, right when I got here, you had a cinnamon white. On that beer, man. It's just talk to me just about that particular style and just what that means, man. <laughs> yeah, people love flavors, so you know you get you get to do a lot of different new things, and you know it, it's nice to try it out. And you know it, it's kind of you know molded around some of the, the food world items and stuff like that. But you know it, uh, you get to create more of like a, a treat style, you know, and uh, and then a traditional food item. Yeah, because it feels like, like I said, it feels like a, a nice little dessert. But then from there, you guys are rocking these sours, man. Yeah. Um, I just had the evil kiss mm-hmm. pomegranate. So you got you telling me you squeezing out pomegranates now, man? <laughs> Sometimes we have to process them. You know, we're getting pre-processed, but most of the time it, it, it's from a fresh local, you know, Florida source. We're trying to always get that, but yeah, there's a lot of times where we have you know a few devices back there that help that you know peel things automatically mm-hmm. and do other things so we can actually put the peels. But yeah, a lot of times we are juicing whole oranges and, and other things. You know, um, strawberries mess around with kiwis. You know, you're having to peel the kiwis apart, and it's. It's uh, you, you get the best flavor from that. So. so, of all the beers you've brewed in the last, how long you been been working here now? Uh, December twenty ten is when I started with them. And wow, I've been brewing since they began. So. Wow, wow! So you've been with the company from day one. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So, much. when we've been brewing, yeah, uh, day one of brewing. <laughs> yeah, of all those beers, what's your favorite, man? I know I have to pair what the favorite kid is. And yeah, I, I mean, of course. Yeah, I love all of them. But, uh, yeah. I love all my babies. They're all great. Yeah. <laughs> Always go to, great to go to is Old Hollow Land. That's the West Coast style IPA. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of great hops in there, very well balanced. And still got a good malt character, but, you know, they got some new fun hops in there, too. So it's uh, that's always my go to. Nice, nice. And then. Before you were brewing, what were you doing? Were you brewing at all, or how'd you get into brewing? Yeah, like, yeah I had a you know, science background in school, and I did a lot of home brewing. That was probably my. Uh, how it started, you know, I did a lot of batches back in the day with home brewing, so. What was the first thing you brewed on? Do you remember? Uh, in here? No, 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 no. Um, at home, like when you first started. I think it was a pale ale, and then um, I think immediately after it happened to be doing a, a pumpkin beer. Were you doing it on the stove, or me? Oh, no, I, I did one. Yeah, I did one with a buddy, but my dad actually taught, taught me how to do it when I was real young. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> so pot so yeah. was a brewer? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, he was, you know, just did, did it at home, you know. So, oh, nice. Um, yeah, I guess that, you know, got into me somehow over time. And, uh, but he was only using the extracts, right? He used the extracts. When did you go all grain? After two or three brews. I was ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> Cut up some PVC pipes, some other things, and a cooler. Started hacking away at this and that. You know, got it, got it running. You know? Where did you find the info to like craft your first yeah. system? Forms were great, but there were there weren't as big back then, so you didn't really really find much information. The parts were even harder to source, um, and they weren't as cheap as they are nowadays. Right. So a lot of times it was the you know hardware store and stuff that you, you had to go kind of figure stuff out. Well, were you were you here in Tallahassee? Where were you? Yeah, oh yeah. When I started, I was up in Tallahassee. So nice. Right. So did you go to the homebrew shop? Then um, I did. Yeah, I yeah. did a few of those, and then. Uh, kind of yeah went, went off and started ordering my own stuff so yeah 
but they were they were great help, you know, getting get started, of course, and starting out some basic. Yeah, I, I definitely call them like the godparents of the Tallahassee beer scene, man. Running Momos back in the day, sure, still sure. had the homebrew shop. It seems like a lot of brewers that are in this market. Ryan Lapide over at Deep, um, Gabe, a lot of these different people over at Grasslands have kind of gotten at least a little bit of start from working with those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it, it, they've been a great help, and, it, and it, they've taken off now because of that. And it's, it's, it's great to see all the breweries in town, you know, and I think it, it just helps us overall having a great craft craft brew scene in Tallahassee. It's, nice. It's, 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 can't ask for better. Because back in 2010, nobody was brewing beer What's it like now, knowing that you can go to five breweries? It's, it's a, little, a little weird, you know. It's, it's, <laughs> I, you know, I love it. You know, that's that's the, that's the ideal. I think it's great to have it. You know, as, as long as everybody's producing the best quality beer that they can, and and uh, we're doing some uh, some wonderful stuff. You know, that's and then the, the collaborative, you know, effect just in the community is mm-hmm. what's, what's uh, so nice. Yeah, and it seems like I, I talked to Gabe, and he was like, "Man, you know." We wouldn't be here without proof. There are times when we needed stuff, and we can go to them, or we just needed advice on things. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's that like kind of – because you're still a young guy, but you've been in the game for a bit now. Yeah. yeah. What's that kind of like, you know, finding that balance of, like, still learning yourself but then also kind of mentoring as well? Oh, yeah. It, you're never never stop learning anything. And we, we figure that out even today, I, you know, just wrenching on something in the brewery. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff still to learn. But it's, it's also great, you know, with the guys in town and, and being able to help them, you know, with what they need and, you know, advice with this and that. And it's it's – you know, just by having to, man, I was out of hops on something and I needed to borrow some, some hops from uh, Brad Ryan at Deep, you know, and he was like, yeah, no problem, you know, get you, you know, something over real quick. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I remember Gabe was telling a story, there was a part that he needed, but apparently he got the part, but it didn't fit, and he called Ryan, and Ryan was like, yeah, I'll come over, I'll do it. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> like, what under industry does that happen in, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, and, and that's, that's what's so awesome about this industry. And, you know, we're all here for, for great beer at the end of the day, and, uh, you know, that's, that's a different new thing, different thing. So. Nice. And then from there, I'm going to leave you with this. Um, what's coming next for Proof? What do you guys got going? What do you... What's um What's in the horizon? They have a lot of you know ideas, and I you know I can't really go into that. But uh you know we're just trying to come out with anything new we possibly think of you know, and uh, okay, trying to get into the deeper sour level with you know the the barrel stuff would be great to get into, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to push that one out. But nice. can't say when that'll happen. But nice, you know. dude. I, I, I guess I really enjoyed that that whole Evil Kiss series, man. Like you guys got the strawberry lemonade, you got the pomegranate, you got the the Evil Kiss, the one the the original raspberry. That won the, uh, I think they number 16 on the pace mag, man. And I, it's funny because I was at that tasting and didn't even realize it was you guys. So afterwards, this was a blind tasting. But and what's that like when you look up and you read an article and you see your beard next to some of, like, the OGs in the game, man? Yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. Just thinking about back when we first, you know, decided to brew that beer and just thinking about how, how far we've come and how much we've researched and, you know, done you know, different stuff with it and experiments and the time we spent just on that beer alone, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's crazy to think of, you know. But it's it's, it's well worth it, and I, I I think it is a great beer. You know, I'm not going to lie; I think it's a great great goza and uh, has some. You should. Uh, it's a good beer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it is nice to see it up with the big guys, though. That's that's pretty. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, because you look at that list. I mean, that's some of the those some of those breweries are the creme de la creme. Actually, most of them are, and then you're yeah. in that mix. Yeah. So to me, that's that you're you're in that you're there. Just want to keep doing it, you know. Keep coming up with uh, some new stuff, but also making you know just great beer. So nice. And then last thing, um, 
you got that Glass Emperor coming up, man. Just tell me about that beer that you guys are going to be doing real soon. It's a beer you've done before, mm-hmm. but you're bringing it back better than ever. Yeah, yeah. We're just always trying to you know dial in a few things that we, we like about it, and also get some, some you know, more roast characteristic. You know, maybe a little less hop on this side, but trying to you know, stretch that ABV up a little bit and uh, and try to get a little bit more fresher barrel characteristics out of it. It's it is a regular kind of barrel age you know apparel stout, but um, you just get a little more flavor out of it. Guys, like I said, this man here, he really knows this game. He's still learning it. Shout out to Prue. Shout out to this whole crew. Alan Truesdale, just everybody with this brewery. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on. Looking forward to your Florida Invitational. I'm hearing you guys have some crazy stuff that's going to be on for that. So, guys, that festival is badass. Go to it. Let them know. You know, you find out about it on the show. They, they make sure you're a little bit of love. You know what I'm saying? But either way, check it out. Aaron, thank you for doing this. Of course, yeah.